It's 12 Enough, Season 11, Episode 9C, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Michael Strickland. 12 Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is a pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Your guest host, Michael Strickland, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Atchison, Kansas. This podcast is brought to you by The Short Story. Why write novels? Why try to take 100 or 200 or 300 pages to say something when you can just say it in three or four pages, leave them hanging, and always hungry for more? The Short Story, a better way to write. And we're back. Uh, so I, I've heard some responses to my wilderness episode last, the last episode, and thank you for your responses to that. I will be posting another one because I got at least two favorable responses. That's all I need are two. If I only had one, then I probably wouldn't do it. But I am going to be continuing with these other episodes where I have guests and we talk and it, it, all that stuff. So um, going back and forth, hopefully. We'll see. But this is the scripture episode, the one when we talk about scripture. Uh, and today is a special one because we're not looking at any particular scripture, but really talking about what do we do with the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament? Do we fold it in? Don't we fold it in? That kind of thing. Uh, so I had a great conversation with Michael Strickland. He's been on this show a couple of times already. He's, he knows how it all, all works. He didn't get lost on the way to the studio this time. He found his way here um, for once. That was nice that he got here, um, and I didn't have to wait for him. Uh, he knew where the bathroom was. That was also really nice. Uh, so it was. I mean, it's always great to have returning guests. On the other hand, it's nice to have new guests, too, because then when they ask to go to the bathroom, I usually send them down to the basement stairs. It's really funny. It's just really funny. No, no, it's funny. It's funny. So anyways, here is the episode that I recorded with Michael Strickland about Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and why is it we can't just get along? I'm here with Michael Strickland, the Reverend Michael Strickland, who is the senior lead dream visionary pastor of the First Baptist Church of Atchison, Kansas. You almost learned how to say it. How do you say Atchison? (laughs) How do you say Atchison? Atchison. How did I say it? Atchison. You know what? I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to be pulled into this, Michael. (laughs) No, I'm not going to let you do this to me again. After our last episode, I had to do double sessions of therapy. I'm not going down Speech that road. Speech therapy. Therapy is therapy. <laughs> as far as my health insurance cares, they're not covering it. Yeah. So, Michael, it's good to have you on the show again. Or so Thank far you. it is, but we'll see. Thank you. Yes. And this is the scripture episode. And this, is, this may be the first scripture episode where we're not talking about a particular chapter and verse. I was wondering about that. Yeah, we may. I'm sure we'll reference stuff. Or you might. I won't. I'll reference scholars who talk about Scripture, but don't ask me to talk about the Bible. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not my training. 
Andover Newton grad. Um, but we're going we're gonna to step back and get a little meta in our approach to scripture. Which, is that a cold brew that you're having? Yes. I want the listeners to be able to visualize everything. That... There we go. And, and listeners, you should know that was not a sound effect that I added in later. That, <laughs> that, that was live, real time. I added in a lot of sound effects. Pause for effects. Yeah. But I didn't add that one. When you start droning on and on, I'll do this. <laughs> so people now may say, why are we stalling? <laughs> so here's the... No one has ever asked that question if they've listened to the rest of an episode. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Like this is, I guess this is as good as it gets. And it might be. It's as good as it gets. It's all downhill. We're going to have, we're, we're going to have some good stuff here. This is going to be a good one. The, the last ones, they've been okay, but this one's going to be good. You should never make promises you can't fulfill. <laughs> that's, um, okay. Uh, well. so here's the, here's where it comes from. Uh, I, I, one of our, one of my loyal listeners or somewhat loyal listeners, when I was asking, asking for topics every now and again, I put on Facebook saying, Hey, what do you want to talk about? And that's really me saying, I don't know what I want to do for the next season. Give me some ideas. And, and usually like one or two people say, I don't care, but I want to be on your show. I'm like, oh, okay, well, good enough. So that's, it's a very rigorous vetting process to get on the show. Uh, but now I don't feel special anymore. <laughs> you didn't even ask. <laughs> um, someone asked about the relevance of Hebrew scripture, Old Testament, to, um, to Christianity today or with the, with the New Testament. And, and he was referencing someone that uh, both Michael and I really admire and listen to a lot, Andy Stanley. <coughs> yeah, I Sorry. was pausing for that. Uh, no, neither of us really listen to or admire Andy Stanley. And, and this was, uh, I guess, this was, this was um, of May 11th, 2018, so just almost a year ago that Andy Stanley was preaching a sermon where he said Christians need to, quote, unhitch, close quote, the New Testament, the, I'm uh, sorry, unhitch the Old Testament from their faith. Uh, and that, he said, well, he, and he said, this, I'm reading from the CBN News, which is, what's CBN stand for? Oh, Christian something. It's the 700 Club. So this is a reputable news source. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. Uh, he said, while Stanley, Stanley said that while he believes the Old Testament is, quote, divinely inspired, close quotes, it should not be, quote, this is tedious, the go-to source regarding any behavior in the church, close quotes. Um, and then he, he says further on, you're going to love this part, Michael, in case you didn't read the whole article. Um, Stanley said that Peter James Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures, and my friends, we must as well. Close quotes. I want to reiterate what Stanley was saying. Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. What, do you, what are your thoughts about that, Michael? You want to, should we start with just uh, deconstructing Stanley's... Um... <laughs> I don't even know where to begin other than to say 
he doesn't reference, I don't know, like Jesus or Matthew or right. Luke. And maybe those are people that have something to say about this topic, too. Yeah, but I mean, and uh, yeah, I agree. And I also think like, Paul, it doesn't Paul like, go out of his way to show how um, Christianity is comes out of the Jewish tradition and doesn't look to unhitch or move away. I mean, isn't that a large part of the whole argument of, of, of Romans? I would say yes. Oh, phew, good. This is one of the few times that Michael agrees with me on matters of Scripture. That's, that's your one pass. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's on from here on out. Well, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> if you want to send an email... <laughs> Uh, so that I it it just it seems like a very ignorant statement. Well, Jonathan, <laughs> I don't disagree. What do you think Andy Stanley was trying to communicate with his statement? So I as reading further in the article, he <laughs> <laughs> He is trying to he's expressing this concern that many Christians I'm reading from the article again. I, I just want to give credit where credit should be due. <laughs> Blame. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, he, he's expressing concern that many Christians are turning away from their faith because certain passages in the Old Testament, um, he believes the mo church moved past the Old Testament for the sake of newly converted Gentile believers and that the resurrection of Jesus was their focus. So I, I think Stanley is, is coming from this place of the Old Testament is... All right, here, this is my read of it. I, I don't, you know, so... The Old Testament's hard, and it can be scary, and it seems to be turning people off, so don't focus on it so much. Look at the New Testament instead. To, to me, it's in the middle of what you said that I think is the most important. I think he's trying to find a place of relevance hmm. in a cultural movement he does not understand. Oh, oh. So tell me what, what do you tell me say more about that this cultural movement he does not understand. Well, he comes out of this place in American Christianity that is uh, more, uh, let's say, conservatively minded. If you want to say evangelical, that's fine. Mm. But I think that's a word that continues to mean less and less than it used to mean. Much to my chagrin. Yeah, just one of it. But yes, yeah, so let's and, say more conservative, conservative minded. Yeah, and I think he's. He is finding that his way of uh, engaging uh, and approaching people, mm -hmm. particularly about moral issues, is losing traction in the world at large. Hmm. He may or may not be sensing that his side, so to speak, is losing. And he's trying to cast his lot with the winning side without giving up ground. I don't know. Um. I want to do. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I I certainly think this is like this is regressive tendency in religion. I think mm -hmm. where uh, you know the church, quote unquote, always seems to be a certain distance behind the culture. Quote your, unquote. Your readers are your readers are missing my air quotes. Yeah, that's why I had to say the quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it feels to me like this is sort of a symptom of that uh, that mechanized approach to faith that's been increasingly dominant among fundamentalists, but realistically was part of a 
20th century world that the conservative fundamentalists, evangelicals Mm -hmm. had rejected and resisted for so long. But now it's like they're finally getting up to speed with the 20th century in the way that they're approaching things. Um, It's so I think he's one of these folks that typically has been reading scripture in terms of you, you know, it's like the, the gumdrop machine. You know, or gumball machine. You put in mm-hmm. your quarter, you turn the knob, uh, gum comes out. Well, if what you're getting out of the machine isn't what you think it is, then uh, you got to go to a different machine. So and I think he's discounting yeah. the Old Testament because the uh, the result he's mm-hmm. getting out of it isn't what he thinks he ought to get out of it. So it so do you think he's coming from a place? You but yeah, there are so many. Um, beats in there to to consider uh, well i did spend countless hours not preparing for this just my... like all of your other guests so <laughs> michael you're not supposed to say that on air whoops you'll yeah. edit it out anyway yeah. i'll edit that or will i um <laughs> that uh, uh so so the 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 kind of cultural movement he's trying to catch up with when you say that 20th century. I, I think he's trying to reach a 21st century cultural movement mm-hmm. with a 20th century methodology that feels new and revolutionary to him. Right. Because he's been operating in an even older methodology. All right. So what is the older methodology that, just, just so I have a better idea of that, are we talking about a, um, a literal and narrative? Yeah, yeah. Kind of approach. So, okay. So that's right. that's the that's the 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 starting point. Right. And the place he's going to now, would you say it's more of like a historical critical? No. I, I so would what say do you think it's, it's I, I actually think it's even more mechanical. Okay. So if than I do where he was at before. If I do X, Y will happen. Right. Okay. And if Y doesn't happen, then X doesn't have any merit anymore. So if I do the prayer of Jabez then my uh, wealth will increase. As it does for everyone. As it does for everyone. If it doesn't, it's because you're not doing the prayer of Jabez right. You didn't put a quarter in the gum machine, you put a nickel in. You've got to put a whole quarter in or you won't get in a gumball. That, that I think, is actually the the previous approach that Andy Stanley's ilk has been. Where they're at now is to disregard the machine at all. Okay. You don't get good out of that machine. It's not useful. And, and I'm sorry to say this, but Andy Stanley, to me, seems to be much more of a political figure than a religious figure in our current cultural yes. society. Yeah. And that, I recognize, is going to be incredibly offensive to both of your readers. But still, well, it's, but, but it's luckily, the truth, I think, as I see Most of the people it. that are receiving this form of medium are listeners and not readers, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Few. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop calling them readers. Uh, <laughs> I think you've done that on previous shows. I have, on purpose, every time. Oh. What? Well, I'm going to bring that to my therapist. <laughs> There's a Folgers moment for you. <laughs> Folgers is a coffee? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's what people used to drink before real coffee was invented. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Which is, it's yeah. so weird to have artificial coffee before real coffee's even around. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the the thing that Andy Stanley's doing mm-hmm. that he feels is a radical thing 
is that he's willing to disregard part of Scripture right? because he doesn't believe it speaks, uh, or he doesn't believe that it produces the necessary, quote-unquote, fruit right. for him and his ministry in the world. It's not working for me, so I'm not going to use it anymore. I think that's the, the quote-unquote, radical thing right. that he's doing, which isn't a very radical thing in some ways and is even more radical than he realizes, I think, in other ways. Right, right. And yeah, in some ways, he's back there with Marcion um, cutting yeah. and pasting. And, yeah, um, or, I, or Thomas Jefferson. Or Tom, yeah, right. If you want to get a little more current, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Isn't it awful that Thomas Jefferson is current events? <laughs> well, in, in the world of, of, of biblical academics in general, yes, Thomas Jefferson is more current. Um, yeah, uh, but he's also right there with like the UCC, or um, you know, liberal, or you know, yeah, more liberal leaning um, academics who say, well, scripture, there's there's yeah, there's inspiration in parts of scripture, and probably not. I mean, that's we have colleagues that will that take that approach. I, yeah, I see well, your grimace. I don't like it either, but I just want to well. No I may be more grimacing at your presentation than I am at their pre their uh, position. Uh, I'm okay with that. So <laughs> that that word inspiration mm -hmm. gets us in an awful lot of trouble. How so? Because we all define it differently. But mine's right. And comprehend it That's, differently. Let's. But it's. And what we mean <laughs> when we say inspiration affects what we mean when we say authoritative. Mm -hmm. And on those twin hooks hang every conflict that's ever existed in Christianity. Whoa, whoa, and whoa! And I recognize that's Michael, a big statement. Yeah, let's let's be careful before we make these grandiose statements. <laughs> let's you know. You're tired. You've had a long day. We're just past Easter. You're going to say things you're going to regret, Michael. Do you want to <laughs> come back to that statement? Nobody's listening. <laughs> this is all part of your therapy. Your therapist calls us and sets up oh, these can, conversations can just so you can feel better about yourself. <laughs> My mom always. Is it working? No, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's. Uh, let, I, I love how um, our attention span is all over the place. Upon these twin hooks, inspiration yeah. and authority. Yeah. So uh, I stand by it. You stand by <laughs> come all of the conflicts of Christianity. All of them. N name me any conflict between any groups within Christianity that doesn't ultimately come down to how they read the Bible. Well, you see, I just want to bring a little more nuance of power, money, those kind of things also influencing the conflict. Well, those do influence the conflict, but the reason those are allowed to influence the conflict is because of how they choose to read the Bible. And how they choose to read the Bible right. is informed by how they believe it's inspired, how they believe it's authoritative. So power... Uh, money, all those things are really the means of abuse, I would say. Hmm. Um, but the method that enables it goes back to how they're reading the Bible. This is the sound of me thinking. Chirp, chirp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me a second. It's just hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's the week after Easter. I'm not supposed to be thinking. No, I, I, I'll buy that. 
I'll I'll buy that. I I'll buy that with reservation. I'll 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 say that you that seems to that's hold as good as it merit. gets unless you had the idea yourself. So Fair. I'll take it. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. And and I'm not some grandiose speaker like you who's going to be issuing these broad statements. I I try to say it may seem like perhaps one might consider. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> okay, so holding on to that idea that, you know, yeah. inspiration and authority can be problematic. What Stanley is doing then, in, in a way, is devaluing oh, absolutely. the Hebrew scriptures. He, he is removing inspiration from them. Yeah by saying that it's the New Testament that is really inspired, and that's a means of uh, sort of declassifying the authority of the Old Testament, the right. Hebrew Scriptures, right. so as to add more authority to the New Testament. The, the irony of it all to me is I don't think he's going to achieve what he intends to achieve because he's not actually connecting to the current cultural movement in any way. So what do you what is it that you think he wants to achieve? Is it is it a relevancy? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, I, I'm not a mind reader, and I'm and and he, I I should probably repent a little bit of all these uh, grand proclamations I'm Why? making about no. him in particular. No, no, no. I when but, he he I mean, um, Doctor Stanley, we're happy to get your comments, and if you'd like to be on the show <laughs> in a rebuttal. Happy to have you. <laughs> the program reached out to Andy Stanley for comment, but no comment was off. <laughs> that, I could say that, and it probably would be true, even if I haven't done it yet. That would be. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's about relevance. I think he's sensing this, this movement in our culture right now, right? That is looking with. Uh, at least skepticism, if not disapproval or even disdain, mm -hmm. on people who are mining these Old Testament texts for these tiny little phrases they can take out of context and apply and wield as weapons against other people. Which conservatives have I never think, done. No, never. never. I think he feels that there is this movement, this mm -hmm. This tide that is flowing in the other direction against all of that. Okay. And he doesn't want to get crushed by it. And so he's saying, oh, I'm not one of those guys. Look mm -hmm. at me. I'm hip. I'm relevant. I'm not doing that. So, what, um, so but, but you feel that he's, he's still going to miss it. Because what is the well, big... I absolutely do. Yeah, what, because I don't... First do, of all, I don't do you think want to take a drink before you, You've been trying to get a drink for like five minutes now and almost getting it. Go ahead. Take your drink. I'm going to figure out how to loop that sound. <laughs> Put a beat underneath it and make that the yeah. intro. You better, you better uh, give me some credit. The Michael Strickland as a creative theme music. partner. <laughs> creative partner. <laughs> I'm going to edit this part out. All right, but all no. right. Now that you've got your drink, what what do you think? Why do you think it is that he's not going to 
that he's still not going to connect? Uh, well, I, I think it's, I think people will see through it. Hmm. Um, I guess this being the week after Easter, mm-hmm. um, I'm more ready to criticize people than I otherwise would be. Yeah, I got to make sure to book you but the week after Easter you, more often. You do. <laughs> this is good. You do. This is nice, huh? <laughs> you introduce this as scripture, but maybe it's going to be Rylich by the yeah, end. Yeah, it's just going to be like, Michael gets angry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think the world at large buys the uh, image that is being presented and sold by Andy Stanley and his ilk. I think the only people who are buying that are a subsection of Christians. Right. And and part of that is because those Christians have been uh, dispossessed of the power and the authority to connect with God simply between them and God. And they really do believe that they have to go through one of these powerful, charismatic, big-name, popular people hmm. in order for God to care about them. And that's tragic. Right. But that's part of this system that Adam, Andy Stanley's been a part of since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely. the bulk of the world, and especially those people who are outside of, of what we could call mainstream Christianity, uh, whether they consider themselves Christian or not— um, I think that those folks have always seen through the, the, the fake holiness that mm. kind of comes with that, and they aren't going to believe what, you know, they're, they're just not going to buy what he's selling. Right. But those folks who have been, and then maybe they've been wrestling with, what do I do with these passages of the Hebrew Scripture that are problematic? I don't know how to handle them. I hear other people misusing them. I'm not sure what to do. Mm-hmm. When Andy Stanley says we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. they may say, "Oh, finally, finally, finally!" Yeah, they may. I think this is going to be one of those situations where one problem is being solved and another is created. Oh, though. there are there are a number of problems that are being created with this. Um, Tell, say more about that. Say, yeah, yeah. First, it's it's um, in my mind, it's disingenuous to the text. Uh, so this is when That's I That's never stopped you before. I know, right? But so, <laughs> so actually, so recently, um, I, we had a visitor at the church, and we usually have like one visitor every six months. So it was very exciting when we had a visitor at the church. Ooh. Yeah, I know. And and she asked, "Why don't we stand up for the Bible readings?" And she said, "You know, she grew up Episcopalian, and they always stood up for the gospel reading." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, it's just not our practice." And I said, "Of standing for the readings, and if we did, I would, it wouldn't just be for the gospel." This is one of those few times where I disagree with the Episcopalians. Normally, I try to agree with them because they're just nice. They're just nice people, you know. <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't have any real, you know. I mean, they're fine. They're they're nice. <laughs> um, but when you stand up for the gospels and not any of the other readings, you are creating a hierarchy of the te- within the text. And, and for me, that's problematic because 
then you are starting to pick and choose. Some passages of Scripture are more important or have a heavier weight than others. Now, I understand that some may say that as Christians, we read the Bible through the revelation of Jesus Christ, and if the Gospels are the primary way we come to know that revelation of Jesus Christ, then it does make sense to give a primacy to the Gospels over all the other texts. I'll grant that, and if that's your response, and you seem to have thought about it, then you seem to be you know, clear about what you're doing. But the majority of people just say, well, we stand up for the Gospels. They're more important. I, um, I really do hold this. I try to approach the Bible as to say that every part of it holds, is authoritative in its own way. And, and I, I try to approach it with a, with, an e, with a feeling of egalitarianism, although difference within it, egalitarianism. So I'm not going to read Genesis in the same way as I'm going to read Mark but I'm not going to say that Mark is better than Genesis, right? So that's the, because that's when I, then I'm starting to impose my own subjectivity on the text. But aren't you just using different terms to communicate the same thing? No. Wait, what do you mean, what do you mean using different terms? I, I just want to disagree with you. I mean, my gut reaction is to say <laughs> no, but tell me, what, what do you mean? <laughs> well, aren't you just saying that, uh, uh, you have to read this one this way and this one this way and and choosing a different interpretive lens for these different parts of Scripture so that you can pull out of them the particular things that you want to pull out of them. I, well, I think it, it, it depends on how much you also allow the text to be what it is. Um, so you're going to love this, Michael. You ready for this? No, I won't. Yes, you are. I could go to... I, I could read... Shakespeare and read Shakespeare's sonnets, right? And and I'm going to approach these as this is poetry. Uh, there's going to be yeah, a lot huh? of imagery, a lot of metaphors. So I'm going to do that. But if I were to read something like, I don't know, let's just say Proust, just because I, I can't think of anyone else to, yeah. to name. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, if I were to read Proust, there's, there's more of a narrative in his writing. There may be symbolism in there. Yeah. Well, eventually you've got it. It takes like three volumes. Your analogy just broke down. (laughs) (laughs) After about three volumes, like, okay, I think there's a plot somewhere. It's it's coming. (laughs) No, um, I didn't want to use the phone book metaphor or imagery analogy because that's the one people often use. But if you read a phone book, you don't read the phone book the same way you read a dictionary or the same way as you read an article. Um, and if you if you were to do that, you're forcing. If you're saying I'm going to read them all the same way, you're forcing the text. In one way, so so that's what I mean. It's a, a, an aspect in which you need to allow the text to be what it is. But you're also saying that the phone book is authoritative only for certain things. Yeah. The poetry is authoritative only for certain things, and so on and so forth. But but and yes, but is one more important than the other? Which one is most authoritative? Well, it depends on what you need. Exactly. And that's, and that's so, but that's a better, uh, that's a... What uh, do you need, Jonathan? It depends on the day. I don't know. No, no, I, the answer was Jesus. I thought you had that one. <laughs> oh, dang it. Wait, ask again. I can do this this time. <laughs> what do you need, Jonathan? More Paul. No, wait, wait. Let me try again. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> well, well uh, unsurprisingly, I'm going to disagree with you in a lot of this. What? Oh, come yeah, on. Yeah, I know. How could I know. you? What's it, it's my you? role. Yeah. According to your therapist, yeah. who booked me to come on your All show. All right, so tell me, tell me how it is that you're heretical it, well, with the Bible. Here, 
I think I think part of the reason we're even having a conversation like this mm-hmm. is because we came to a place historically where we tried to say the whole Bible is equally authoritative and equally inspired. Mm-hmm. And that's a perspective that didn't show up in Christian history until the last two centuries or so. Yeah. Before that, there was always this sense the, the sense that just as Jews approach the 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 Hebrew scriptures, that there were these sort of uh, levels, if you will, of inspiration and authority that came mm. with our New Testament canon as right. well. Right. Just as the Torah was the highest of importance for uh, our Jewish sisters and brothers, so the Gospels were of greatest importance for us. Uh, just as the prophets were sort of a second level of inspiration and authority, so we have the letters, particularly right. those of Paul. Right. And, and so we had this tiered approach. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the medieval era and so on, we see this in the ways that churches collected scriptures. Okay. There was a preference for the Gospels. Every church would have at least a copy of a Gospel, or you couldn't even be the church, because that was most important. Right. Um, so, I mean, with through most of our history, we had this naturally built-in system of saying, this matters more than this. So when we saw a conflict between them, we defaulted to the highest authority, Hmm. which was, of course, Jesus. But as soon as we started saying that everything is on a level playing field together, everything is equal, then we started enabling this picking and choosing and cherry picking of Scripture that uh, uh, forces us really into this place of people saying, well, this one verse somewhere way back in, Hmm. you know, uh, Leviticus, whatever— says this, and I'm going to hold that over and against everything else that I read. I think that, um, just, I'm going to sound, it sounds awful, just because that's the way it's been done for a long time doesn't necessarily mean it's the way we need to continue to do it. I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> okay, good. And and I wonder, what if we went to a place where where we would say the text is not equally authoritative, nor is it equally inspired? As a canon, it holds a different place than other texts. But within the canon, there is a a diversity uh, of ways to engage aspects of it. Because that's kind of what I was trying to say. But that fits, I think, very cleanly with what I was describing as well. Just what I was describing put some... overarching right. categories over top of that. Yeah, see which I, I think can serve as an important corrective for folks who want to take certain things and run with them too far. Yeah, you see though, when I talk to my children, I say I love you all equally. You're just different in various things. You go to your children and say I love you all, but I love you first and then you second. <laughs> no, I say no. I love you all, but I love your mom more. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, Point that's Michael. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think that I think we're at, at one of those wonderful places where our disagreement is a, a point of nuance. No, I agree. And, and that's a that's a place I'm happy to be at. I'm happy there to say fair. I'm not going to go yeah. where you're going, Michael, but I think we understand each other. And, yeah. And maybe respect our different positions. I'm not going to push that on you to respect where I'm coming from. Heaven forbid. Yeah. But so one of the other, but so that's what I, when I say disingenuous, because what, you know, what, what Stanley could be doing or just saying, like, just unhitch yourself from the Hebrew scriptures. Um, 
you know, I would say goes too far or has that risk of going too far. Uh, another real um, worry um, of, of such an approach, you know, for me is the, um, the danger of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, oh, you agree with that one? I do. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and um, that's part of our Christian heritage of, of saying the Old Testament, we don't need it. It's old. You know, even that, that's why we've been, yeah. I've been going back and forth with Old Testament. The Hebrew Jews scriptures. killed Jesus. Yeah. So that, their that, holy book is all wrong. Right. Yeah. And, and so to, to say we unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures without that, like, but we're not saying it's bad. I mean, Stanley does say it's still, there's a lot of validity to it. It's certainly there's stuff that gets good in it, but you know, maybe we shouldn't be spending as much time with it. Just the lack right. of nuance can be very dangerous. Absolutely. And, and that's Absolutely. A, yeah. And that's a greater worry. Well, and my, my biggest issue really with this whole thing mm. is how not like Jesus and the early church it actually is. Say more. So, okay, we'll start off with what should be the obvious, probably to everyone except you, Jonathan. Mm. But the New Testament didn't exist when Jesus walked the earth. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. You weren't there. You don't know. The, the doctor <laughs> hadn't brought it back in time yet. <laughs> Nicely so, done. Yeah. Um, when Jesus is talking about the Bible, he's talking about the Old Testament. And mostly he's talking not even about all of what we have as the Old Testament now, but right. mostly the law, the Torah, and mostly the prophets. Right. Um, when Timothy talks about scripture, or Paul to Timothy talks about scripture being inspired, he's not talking about First and Second Timothy. He's not even talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and so on. Oh, I was hoping you would just um, go through the whole list. Because <laughs> that makes great that? that makes great podcasting right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me list all the books of the Bible for you. Yes. I know a little song. <laughs> That'll be a podcast extra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. So, I mean, th that's an issue for me. Um, to say nothing of, you know, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law and prophets, but to fulfill them. And here right? it is. And this is the first time we've actually referenced scripture. I, I'm trying to get us whole back, episode. To, back to it. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I, I figured we'd come to that one. Yeah. Well, that seems to me to be the obvious place to start. Right. Because Andy Stanley is unhitching himself from the very uh, scriptures that Jesus is intentionally keeping himself hitched to. I mean, Jesus says this here because the things he said before that with the Beatitudes are mm -hmm. so radical, people think he's just throwing out Scripture entirely. Right. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. I'm still firmly planted on this. You guys just lost the point about what it was there for to begin with. Right, right. So what... Um, so I think as a corrective... And we, do we need to talk more about the dangers of the the anti-Semitic dangers of of saying we need to need to unhitch from the Old Testament, or is that do, we, do you feel like that's pretty obvious for our listeners? I don't know how many Nazis listen to your podcast. <laughs> I, I'm like two. <laughs> <laughs> if if folks if the folks who are listening, if if you're not 
clear about that. Um, a number of years ago, I did an episode with Amy Levine about supersessionism. Uh, and we really... Which is not very super. No, it's not. It's a problematic not doctrine that most people just kind of try to look the other way when it walks across the street. Um, not many have really wrestled with it, honestly. Uh, yeah. But that's that's a big part of what we're talking about. So I encourage you to go listen to that or look up supersessionism and then read McClendon's take on it. He offers a good corrective. There may be an article on CBN they can read. Oh, I'm sure there's an article on CBN. Um, or here's what you do. You write to Jared Huguenot. He was the associate executive minister of ABC. He loves getting New York State. He loves, yeah, he's in New York State. He will go on and on about how to approach supersessionism in a way that's more authentic to the totality of what Jesus is about. He actually collects postmarks that come out of the uh, federal penitentiaries. So all of you in prison that are listening, make sure you write to him as well. (laughs) Okay, so... You're welcome, Jared. You are welcome. Um, what do you, so? What do you think would be a, a good uh, or, or if if someone came if a prisoner came to you and said, "Pastor," do you say parishioner or prisoner? <laughs> well, for you, it's about one and the same, right? <laughs> Maybe on a Sunday Maybe. morning, they're all prisoners until I'm done. <laughs> we're all here. Um, I didn't know you were here on Easter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they came. They come to you and say, Pastor, I just heard this passage, this sermon from, from Andy Stanley, who I love to listen to, and I know you have parishioners that listen to Andy Stanley. I do. And I just say, well, okay. Um, and, and they say, I, he said something, I'm just not sure what to do with it. What would your response be? Let's talk about that. And would you go into, like, Andy Stanley is trying to connect with a culture in a way that's not going to now, I, honestly i would start with what is it that feels mm. odd to you you're coming to me with something wrestling describe what you're wrestling with oh, and so then we go from there so you are a decent pastor <laughs> uh, contrary to all appearances <laughs> <laughs> so but and let's say we get to a place where like so what do i do with you what do i do with the hebrew scriptures what, let's what, see what let's see what Jesus and the early church did with the scriptures. You really love the authority of the early church, don't you? Well, I kind of think that that's a good starting point. <laughs> and, and I I think that we have stories in the Bible that actually are there to help us as we wrestle with things like this. So we want to use the Bible to figure out how to read the Bible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's fine. Well, no, no. So, actually, that okay. makes sense. So here's my here's my short version of what I have done with a number of people oh, thank you. who wrestle with how do we how do we make sense of all of this? How do we read the Bible? Yeah. How do we, what do we do with this Leviticus stuff people keep quoting? Right. Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. So one of the places that we do go to when I sit down with someone is Matthew five. Mm-hmm. And we start with that uh, not come to abolish the law and the prophets. And then Jesus gives these case studies, so to speak, mm-hmm. that look at, uh, you know, that teach in a new way how to recover the heart of what those ancient laws are supposed to be communicating. And in the process, they tell us something about our orientation toward God and our orientation toward each other. He is describing, for lack of a better way of putting it, 
what the kingdom life looks like. Right. You know, the fulfilled life that Jesus and God calls us to and that Jesus enables for us. So we start with that and mm. get to this sense of what's what's at the heart of what it's trying to say. Right. And then, honestly, what we do next, and I'm actually flipping through a physical Bible here, Jonathan. Oh, you have, a, you have a Bible. Yeah. Well, I have a shelf of them. I'm not like you. <laughs> Once enough. They all say the same thing. <laughs> You've obviously only read one. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I read more than one? Yeah. Well, next we jump over to uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 6. Okay, I, th- I was afraid. Because this is, this is one of two important stories in Acts, I mm. think, where, that are specifically included to address how the early church is trying to figure out mm-hmm. how are we faithful to our scriptures and faithful to Jesus. Right. I mean, that's what they're trying to figure out. So we've got Philip encountering this uh, eunuch who is described as a person of faith of some sort. Um, it's unclear whether he believes in Jesus or whether he is uh, uh, pra- as much as he is allowed to practice as a, as a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's coming back from Jerusalem where he apparently was trying to worship. Well, the Old Testament law, the Hebrew scriptures, forbid him from having any participation in worship at all mm-hmm. because his man bits have been crushed. And that's not that means he's unfit. He's categorically incapable right. of worshiping God according to the system. And yet through that story, Philip senses that the way of Jesus opens a path to faith for him rather than closes the doors of faith. A couple chapters later, we get Peter and Cornelius. And once again, here right. we got Peter having this vision of a sheep being lowered from heaven, all kinds of things in it, clean and unclean. And a voice of God telling him to kill and eat. And Peter's like, no, God, I'm not, because that's against your law. Well, eventually, through the story, he comes to recognize that, uh, what, what's the way that it's put in here? What God has made clean, you must not call profane. And, and so this is another story of uh, what was closed mm-hmm. through Scripture uh, becoming an, an open way through Jesus. What these stories, I think, illustrate, and if you read them yourself, I think you'll see it even more clearly. But what they really illustrate is a time in the early church where they're trying to figure out how do we read Scripture as Christians. And the way they choose to do that is to look through the lens of Jesus. If they look through the lens of Jesus and the Scriptures uh, do not align with the person of Jesus that they have come to know, then that is an area of less authority, perhaps something situational, Hmm. perhaps something best relegated to the past, but it's not something that they should regard as authoritative now. Hmm. If they look through the lens of Jesus and they see something that is consistent with the person of Jesus, then that continues to be something that they find to be authoritative, inspired, whatever language you want to use here. And those two stories really set up the rest of the book of Acts and on through the rest of the New Testament to set the stage for how Christians are true to Jesus and follow the Bible, which was the Hebrew Scriptures. So that's my take on it. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to offer any nuance on that. I think any place I might push back on would just be nitpicking. I think that was actually really good. 
Wow. I know. I know. I know. And that's a wrap, folks. I don't. I am not comfortable <laughs> with this. I let me tell. Let's be, let's be clear about that. I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm not comfortable. But that was good. Well, it, talk about your not being happy and not being comfortable then. <laughs> Don't play faster with me, Michael. <laughs> I see right through you. <laughs> I won't fall for your tricks. <laughs> Those are my issues. I'm bottling them up. <laughs> That's I save those for sermons. I have very happy sermons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's that's excellent. I and that's where I was I was um going in that direction as well as um yeah, when we look at the Hebrew Scriptures, we do it um, through the lens of Christ. We read yeah. it as Christians, which is why I can sit there with, you know, um, someone from the Jewish faith. We can look at the same passage, and I could say, well, this is what I see. And they could say, well, I, this is what I see. And they may be different. And the differences may be small. They may be great. But it doesn't mean either one is wrong. We're just looking at it with different lenses. And I think that's an, really that's one of those important correctives to uh, to help avoid that the anti-Semitism um, thread well, that could be in hey, there. That touches on another point, I think, that we've not hit on yet. Oh, okay. Which is that there is, there is in the world that Andy Stanley comes from, I think, a sense that the Bible means what the Bible means. Right. That for any given verse, any given text, there is a singular correct reading, a singular correct interpretation. Right. There's this staticness to Scripture that, to me at least, denies any activity of the Holy Spirit. Right, right. Um, to say nothing of the notion of you know historical development and the things that we see within Scripture itself, uh, it just sort of locks all of this stuff frozen in time, and and that allows a person to throw away parts because they think that those meanings don't matter. Right, Which, because those yeah. circumstances don't exist anymore right and if and that this this probably goes back to the disingenuous aspect from my mind like if that's how they really approached it if they really did system systematically approach the bible as it means what it means what it means and followed it that way um then to throw out the the old testament you know it might there might be more you might be able to argue for that case a little bit better, but they don't do that. They say it means what it means, what it means until it gets uncomfortable for us, and then it doesn't. No, 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 no. It means what I say it means. Well, the, also, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You're right. Back to that discourse that, you know, yeah, we, we, uh, yeah, there are a group of people. Uh, yeah. a, a I, I am the leader. Right. You cannot be trusted to read this on your own. You need me to tell you what it means, and then once I've told you that. You need to not question that, right? And you need to push that on anybody and everybody that you encounter for the rest of your life. Which, uh, um, listeners, if you oh Jesus, yeah, if you want to uh, read a book that's an excellent, really excellent analysis of what Michael's talking about, um, uh, Kathleen Boone, that's Boone with an E at the end, B O N E, wrote this really wonderful book called "The Bible Tells Them So." Um, it's a very short book. I think it's out of print, uh, but it really does an excellent analysis of these different layers of discourse. And it brings in one of, another one of my favorite Frenchmen, Michel Foucault. So that adds to the to the brilliance yeah. of the book. Anyone that can use Michel Foucault um, in a way that makes sense. <laughs> Some people use him without making any sense, like me. That's what I do all the time. Right. Yeah, I reference him. People do that with Proust, too. Yeah. 
wait a second. I see what you did. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, no. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, the disingenuous nature is, is problematic. So, all right. I think, uh, I think we're at a good place to wrap it up. What do you think? Did you, have sure. any, did you have any other points you wanted to make in your vast amount of notes? I got like 47 for... pages here of notes. All right. Well, we'll post those. They're on... not related to this podcast, oh, but okay. I can read them. Yeah. With that, again, that's podcast gold. <laughs> and now I'm going to say things that are irrelevant. Um, yeah. Which is, that's, that's like the subtitle for my podcast, things that are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to encourage people to don't um, unhitch yourself from the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures, hold on to it. In fact, next time you see an Old Testament walking down the street, go give it a hug. Give it a hug. In- invite it into your house. Be nice to the Old Testament. It's an important part of who we are. <laughs> Yoke yourself equally. Whoa! Oh. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> One last bombshell, right? Man, you do read the Bible. <laughs> Oh, sorry. You read a Bible. Which one? A Bible. Yeah, you do read a Bible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The brown one. Well, that's the best one. Oh. I I thought the brown one was like the level below the black one. It's like in karate. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) I feel like if I say anything, it's just going to be bad. So I'm not going to say anything. Well. It's a lot better since I stopped carrying the yellow one to the pulpit. <laughs> no you, one took me seriously when I was only a yellow belt. <laughs> Michael. Well, Michael, that's great. I'm glad that um, <laughs> that you're working your way up to the ranks of Scripture. And, and someday you'll get there to uh, what, what's the top? Is it black belt? Can we go higher than that? I don't know. Is there a gold belt? What color is yours? Right now? Yeah. I'm not wearing a belt. I don't really got, I'm not even wearing pants for podcasting for crying out loud. Why would I even be? You're lucky I'm wearing a shirt. <laughs> That's the joy of podcasting. I thought that was just one of those little dicky things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to have a last word about this? Do you want to make a last no. point? No. Okay. Folks, no, I've said too much already. Folks, go, go Jeff, definitely read, read the Old Testament. Michael, what time is your worship service? 10. 10 o'clock. Central Standard Time. 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. So if you're in Kansas, that'll be 10 o'clock. If you're yeah. in, in Rhode Island, that'll be our... You'll miss it. Yeah, you'll miss it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to... So if, if you're in the greater Atchison... Atchison? 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 Yeah. <laughs> I, you're doing great. You keep going and you'll get it. If you're in the greater Atchison area of Kansas, what part of Kansas is that in? South, north, east, west? Northeast. If you're in the north northeastern part of Kansas, go to the First Baptist Church of Atchison uh, and you'll hear some, some fine preaching read from a wonderful brown Bible. Maybe a black one. We'll see. If they're hearing fine preaching, I don't know what color the Bible will be. Maybe we'll have a guest that day. Uh, Michael, don't do that to yourself. Don't don't you do that to yourself. You know what? You're good enough. You're special. God loves you. 
Somebody has to. Yeah, somebody. I know. I was gonna be like, someone's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the past. That's why your parishioners are still there. Like, well, God loves them, so I guess we should stick yeah, it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If if you're in the the Greater Rhode Island area, come to the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich. Our worship service is at nine thirty in the morning. Um, we try to get out before those Atchison folks, so we can get to the brunch before they do. Dang you! Dang, I know, right? Yeah, I don't. Does anyone still go to brunch on Sundays? Oh yeah. Okay, I don't. I nobody invites me, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Oh, you won't shut up about Proust. <laughs> I would if you didn't keep bringing him up. <laughs> bringing who up? Michael, <laughs> it's always good to have you on the show. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. I hope that was interesting for all of you. Well, I know. Okay. Here we go. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking to Michael. Uh, for the most part, I enjoy talking to Michael. Uh, sometimes I feel self-conscious when talking to him. He's very smart. And he knows a lot and reminds me of all those things I don't know. I really should have on guests that don't know a lot, and so I just feel better about myself all the time. Maybe I'll do that next time. Uh, but uh, no, thank you for listening to that conversation. And um, like I said, go to the show notes and you can see that article. Um, about Andy, Andy Stanley that we talked about, uh, and you can check that out. Uh, and you know, and just um, really think about the the role of the of, of the New Testament and the Old Testament. The way they really do need to be held together. The way they complement each other. Um, you know, these are important. Uh, these are important things for us to be aware of when when wrestling with our Christian identity. All right, I'm starting to spiral in my in my talking. I'm realizing that I'm kind of like going out of control. So let me just get right to the closing, and I'll let you go. Send you on your way, because I know most of you, when you listen to this show, you just sit there quietly. You sit there in a very still fashion uh, and wait for the show to end. So first, thank you again for listening. Um, if you want to send a comment about this show or any other shows, you can send those to 12enough at gmail.com. 12enough at gmail.com. Come to the Facebook page where I post about things that are happening uh, more recently or things that are going to be happening, that kind of thing. Uh, and it's 12enough. Um, Facebook slash 12enough. And 12enough is always, always, always written out. I do encourage you on iTunes to please like the show, rate the show, uh, give it five stars. Give it as many stars as you think is appropriate, but I, you know, five stars makes me feel better about myself, and that's really important. Uh, and you can leave a comment, too. That really helps to get a sense of uh, other people so they know what the show's about. Um, gives it more credibility. And, you know, it's not that much work. Just write something. Write anything. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. 
Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, Michael Strickland, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Atchison, Kansas. The music is by Charlie Eastman, the bump music is by Charlie Eastman, and the intro and outro music is by Andrew Malone. You can find Andrew Malone's music at andrewmalone.com. The thoughts, ideas, notions of brilliance, moments of wondering, those deep pauses, the straw noises, or anything else that was done or made during this podcast do not reflect their churches, their denominations, their families, the states they reside in, any other scholars that might be mentioned, or anything else that might get them into any kind of trouble of any matter whatsoever. These are their own ideas. This was their podcast.